Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 97. This is the second part of my conversation with Kirsty Castles where we discuss her time working as a joiner in TV and film. There's a little more discussion on the Prince's Foundation. We talk product certification and we talk workwear for women. I would consider this episode standalone, but you might want to listen to episode 96 first as it might give you a bit more context. As always, if you'd like to support the podcast, there is Patreon, patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. You get all sorts of bonus audio. There's a video tour of my house and various other rewards for doing so. You'll get a shout out on this podcast too. Otherwise, please share the episode as that also makes a huge difference. That is it from me. Back very briefly at the end. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, in TV land, I went in fully prepared. Like everyone said, <laughs> Kirsty, you're going to hate it. <laughs> um, and um, it's a very interesting industry. I don't want to be too negative about it because I've just entered it. Mm. I think it's, it's fair to say that if I thought construction industry was a little bit lagging, that, that industry is definitely behind the construction industry in lots of areas. Like, like what sort of areas? <sighs> I, I would I would just generally say in all aspects, the industry is still running off of or has been running off of the way it's been done for years. And I think you can see in previous years that it's changing. You can see, I mean, this is a whole industry I know not a lot about, but even with that brief time spent in it, like the Me Too movement, mm. 
has come out of the industry changing. Um, the, and so I, I was interested, but I didn't want it to detract from my reason of being there was to develop my joinery skills. My reason for going there was to feel more confident using tools in a workshop. Um, it was to learn from other people who had had a totally different experience from me. And it was, there would be multiple people there with multiple ways of doing things, learning the best ways and learning how everyone does it. I, I had so much to try and achieve personally from it that I wanted to put on hold that that was the industry that I fancy being in. So therefore I need to get like to grips with the sustainable aspect of things or what happens. But I was intrigued and curious. So I did ask questions and I did go down a few rabbit holes, but I wasn't there to change it. That wasn't my place to change it. Mm -hmm. People have been in the industry a long time. They have a lot of experience and they're doing their best. And what I saw was there is a shift and you can tell there's like a, like I almost think it's like a new generation. There's this new generation who aren't accepting um, that you can't recycle things, who aren't accepting, um, uh, I guess, certain contracts and policies, who aren't accepting, um, that's just the way we've always done it, who aren't accepting workplace banter. It's just, it's just changing. I could see in having talked to people um, that there's a lot of effort going into it, yeah. progressing and getting a bit better. Um, but I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't officially comment on any of it because, uh, but but I would say that from a sustainability point of view, there is a lot that they could be doing, <laughs> um, and and I and I'm sure this was pure accident and because I was the trainee, but I actually got invited to be part of this like green screen team, um, which was so um, green screen. I know I, I may actually be doing them a disservice here, but I, I from what I remember, green screen has been set up in order to help productions create um, a greener um, production and reduce their carbon footprint. Um, so I was intrigued to find out more about it. I was a little disappointed to see that a lot of the ticky boxy stuff was based on post-production, post-filming, like it, or the production side of things as opposed to construction. It sort of seems like an odd world where everyone's aware that sets have to be built, but in cases where they aren't built, which I guess is a lot of different things like I guess you'd say documentaries don't need scenery like um uh, a lot of um studio based like interviews and things like that like I guess quiz shows and things but they, they don't much talk about the construction it's all like make sure the photocopy is turned off at the end of the day like let's swap out for veg where you know it, it was very much based on like how to reduce the carbon footprint from the production side of things mm -hmm. and I mean I did point out that there are skip tons of waste going away from the construction side of things before they even start filming um, and there's a huge conversation to be had and to be started around that sort of stuff but it was nice to see that they were talking and engaging um, so the sustainability side of things Oh, yeah, that was, if I let that get to me, I don't think I would have lasted a week. Um, it's awful. Everyone knows it's awful. It's not like anyone even like is happy with it. It's not like anyone's even dismissive. They're all like, this is awful. But but it's it's almost the way they've done things or it's almost like coming from the top. And I, 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 I challenge, I asked a few questions and if I go back into it, next year and the the more ownership I feel over that industry the more I will question it for sure and the more I'll be myself which is annoying <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <laughs> I, I, I won't let it 
lie but it's not my industry and therefore I, I don't feel right pushing when I had a specific set of I have a reason why I'm there in the construction department I'm there in the carpentry department I'm not there in the art department yeah. doing things I'm not there in the production side of things making decisions I'm literally there because I want to learn how to make sets you know you're sort um, of a I visitor know, in their I, world yeah I know and like or like a part of it like I'm a part of it but I'm not like going to be someone that's trying to steer that industry mm-hmm. You figure out that's the industry you love. You love producing films and you love producing TV, so you figure that out. Whereas I love producing buildings, so I'm doing my bit in my world. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they came into our world to 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 make a film or you know create a TV series, they would be respectful of that. So it, it's kind of this weird relationship I have with it. Yeah. Um. But 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 the the production I was on. Do, do recycle most of their sets because it's this ongoing series and so it was it was wonderful because <laughs> you were like on the hunt for a window you know you're like no no there is a window it was with that set we think it's over there search behind the armory and then go <laughs> by the production offices if you turn on the left right you should find a door there <laughs> you know behind that door is the window you're looking for and you're like awesome okay like so I was quite pleased that in at least the production I was involved in it was a really high level of of recycling things which was great um the the actual carpenters hated it because once you've been made to take the same boat set apart like nine times and put back together and no one's labeled it correctly at any point (laughs) during that process they they get they're like oh my god (laughs) you know so like they would rather have built it from scratch because it would have been quicker and easier but but hey you you gotta you you gotta sacrifice something so mentality and sanity is probably it (laughs) um so yeah i did do that i did do that and um and i i very much enjoyed it and i very much enjoyed the team and i would love to go back and i'd love to do more of that um simply because I was surrounded by very talented people mm-hmm. um, and it did help my confidence um, a lot in that area. Something I really enjoyed was your, was it your Twitter feed where you just, you put up what I've learned this week. Oh yeah, I did start that. I started doing that. Was that was brilliant. I forgot. Just sort of, <laughs> you know. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, mean, oh, I, I should have kept that up. I completely <laughs> forgot about it. <laughs> I did. It was like it was. It was inspiring. Yes, because it, it actually was a. It was a huge struggle. It, like, see, for the first three months, I really struggled with it. Not the actual work, but just the whole thing. I was back to being a trainee. I was back to being treated like I knew nothing. Mm. Which, when you like in your early to mid thirties, is kind of a bit difficult to do. And so it was a big, right? Deep breath. Like, no one means any offense. No one's trying to get you just because you're the girl they're not offering to help you because you're the girl like you know calm down you know I think five years ago that would have been a really difficult experience for me and 10 years ago I could have done it like there were so many aspects of it that have only come with time and age (laughs) that I learned a lot of patience because it was like there'd be things where you'd know the answer or you'd think you know the answer but you're the new girl like you're the new person you can't you don't, and so you'd stand there while people were trying to figure it out, and then you'd be like, "Yeah, I said that, but like, <laughs> but you said it too quietly, you know." And 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 there was a lot of like, you know, bless them. There's like forty guys, and like, there's only been two girls so far, so you know, they don't, they just trying the best. Like, it's not, it's it's probably the first 
point in my entire career so far that I have noticed the difference by being a woman. Mm. Everywhere else, I've never really noticed. Everywhere else, I already pals with them. I already know them. I have a similar sense of humor. It's not a big deal, blah, blah, blah. And there, I had to really fight myself and just be very uh, patient and not do this thing of like proving myself. I had nothing to prove. I was like, to be honest, I'm here as a trainee. Everyone knows I'm here to learn. So I have nothing to prove to them or myself. I know I can do the job. They just need to make sure they know I can do the job. And once they know I can do the job, they'll trust me to do the job. You know, whereas five years ago, I reckon I'd have been like, no, 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 no. Like I can do that. No, of course I can do that. You know, you need, oh, they don't trust me. They just think, you know, and yeah. So I think this has come at the right time in my life. Mm. I feel like I I don't need to, like, I mean, also just, there's just some things I just don't want to do because I am a girl. Like I, there's, so I'm just not built a certain way, you know? Like, I hate carrying sheet material. I hate it. Every time anyone's like, oh, because you can use that with sheet material, I'd be like, <laughs> can you do it? <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, can I not do this job over here that you've deemed that you don't think I should do? But actually, I would prefer to do that because I don't have to go and lift some OSB sheets, please. Like, I just, you know, it's just, it's the silly things, but it, it, it's the thing, or like the asking for help thing. Mm. You know, they actually they actually have stagehands whose job it is to help the carpenters, and that's beautiful. As be- it was weird to begin with because you're so used to like going and getting your own screws, going and get the tool you need, cleaning up after yourself. And when you get somebody being like, "Crazy, crazy, what are you doing? What are you doing?" This you don't job? have to clean up job. after yourself. No, in what? fact, you get told off. You get told <laughs> off. You get told off. What are you doing sweeping? What are you doing sweeping? You want to get me out of a job? Stop sweeping. Stop sweeping. The life like, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, please stop. I'm just saying, no, no, there are, there are people whose jobs are there to make the production faster. And part of that is to make the carpenter's job easier. But it's weird because you go in there as like a self-employed person that does everything. And then you've got minions. Well, they're not minions. If they're listening to this, they're going to kill me. They're not minions at all. In fact, they do so much heavy lifting and they're the ones that like organize everything and take it away and label things and store them in the right Like at some point I was like, maybe I'd like to be a state chip because actually it's all about organizing everyone else. It's all it's all about taking the things from the carpenters and making sure they get to the right place, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's about being the support and the helpful, you know, and thinking two steps ahead so yeah. that you know what they want before they even want it. So actually, I have a huge amount of respect for them. I like them a lot, but I just found it odd because I'd never experienced that. Yeah, no, it's, so. I can totally, yeah, understand why that would feel odd. Took a long time to start actually putting sawdust on the floor on purpose like, there you go tab <laughs> <laughs> it's my gift <laughs> yeah, turn it up <laughs> yeah um oh no they're honestly it's oh just even talking about it such oh such good times it was such a struggle to begin with because it was a real difference i mean the commute the daily physical nature of it the the time frame of it, they're very on time the, the tv and film industry it's all about, you You know, you cannot be late for anything. I mean, they run over, but you cannot be late, you know. Um, it's It was a it was a workshop mentality as well. So it's sort of like the tea breaks at 10, tools down, you know, tea breaks, lunch breaks at 11, uh, 1, and we're at the door by 5. You know, God forbid you go to the toilet at 2 minutes to 5, you came out, it would be empty. Like, there would be no one there. Um, so all of that was odd. I had never experienced it. I'm very much coming from a natural building, you know, yoga before you start and... 
you know, and 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 easygoing and, and all that. And so it it was a culture shock as much as anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I did struggle, but after about six months, it started to it, the tide changed, and I then really began to really enjoy it um, for what it was and and um, appreciate everything that I got out of it. So yeah, hopefully I get to go back and do a bit more in this year. Nice. I, but maybe not for maybe not for nine months. Maybe just for a few months. <laughs> definitely, I definitely enjoyed it enough that I would love to go and do it again. It was it was a worthwhile experience. Nice. Um, for sure. Do you, do you consider yourself now transitioned from designer to maker, or do you feel like you've got a foot in both camps still? I haven't. I haven't. If you mean, have I gone from one to the other? Mm. No, I do feel foot in both camps. I am both. I now feel like I am both, and I feel like one cannot exist without the other. Right. So sort of left hand, right hand, kind of. Yeah, I am a designer, which goes into everything I build. I am a builder, which d- informs everything I design. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, and I've gone full circle. So basically, I've gone from like teaching designers how to build to teaching builders how to design. So, it, it's really nice to just firmly know. I mean, I'd say like on the design side of things, I'm probably like ninety percent feel you know got all the skills and know how to do it and could do it in my sleep kind of thing yeah. i'd say on the designer maker thing i'm like way short of that i'm like i'm gonna go for like i don't know 60 55 so there's so much more to learn so like there's loads of stuff to learn on the maker side of things and the builder side of things because i gave the design what 10 15 years something like that mm-hmm. and i've only really there's just there's so much there's just so much to Oh, oh, I know. I mean, I've, um, yeah, I've, yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've been building for uh, ooh, how long now? Sort of ten, twelve, not quite fifteen years. But you know, I'm still yeah, yeah. still learning. Almost the same amount of time. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's loads of of different ways to put different things together. I think in my mind, I'm still aiming for that. You know, you're an architect when you're sixty. You're a master builder when you're sixty. It's there's just so much to learn and to do and to try and to create that I'll just keep going until like one day I'm like, all right, I know a bit about it. We're all good. <laughs> Especially I think um, with you, I think you're probably quite similar to me. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you're not just gonna be like a brick bricklayer. And a bricklayer can sort of master <laughs> their they're doing one thing every day. Uh and they can master that. But I mean, for me, I feel like I'm all over the place. One day I'm doing roofing, one day I'm carpentry, one day I'm insulating, one day I'm doing mud stuff, uh, you know, plastering. I can never master any of those. All I can hope to do is be, oh, yeah. be competent uh, at yeah. best. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm fully I'm fully I'm fully entrenched in the idea that I will be a Jill of all trades as you are a Jack of all trades. And there's no way I'm going to be a master of one. Like I don't, I'm not going to commit my life to one thing to become an expert in it. And I, and I dismiss any idea that this is wrong and that Jack of all trades, Jill of all trades are, um, are in any way less committed because you're so committed to be, like you say, competent 
at a level where you can understand where the experts are coming from and you can pitch ideas and you can get them involved, you collaborate with them and everything. But you are just constantly striving to be competent in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I'm. Yeah, I'll put my hand up. I'm committed to that line of exploration. I, I don't want to be an expert at any one thing. Nice, actually. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah, we come into our own when two things meet, like a plaster surface meets timber, and suddenly it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I know how to do both of those. And that means that if I'm plastering, I know how to detail the, the timber edge. And if I'm timber framing, I know how to detail that my timber, you know, to come into mm-hmm. that. And, you know, if I was just a plasterer, I might ignore something entirely that, you know, the timber can't do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and, and that's why the building craft program is important, because it gives um, those trades an opportunity to understand the other trades. Mm-hmm. Like you do have to understand the other trades, but... I mean, I think we're all aware that in the general construction industry, trades do leave each other alone, and that's where all sorts of problems arise. But um, you have to have a knowledge of other things. I just think that what you and I are doing is like enhancing that knowledge by going a little bit down a rabbit hole, <laughs> um, and then and then being like, "All right, done that. Moving on." <laughs> it's like we learn something new. And I used to accuse my brother of doing that an awful lot. I used to say that he would do things like a sport or like learn to play the drums or learn to juggle and that he would do it until he was good at it. And then you just, you just leave it. And I'd be like, but you, but you could have gone on to play for Great Britain. Like, mate, what? You know, I used to always say, you just do things until you've mastered them and then you move on. Why don't you stick at them? And I only realised very recently that I was such a hypocrite because I do exactly the same thing. <laughs> Just the things that you're doing take a little bit longer to get. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so I was like, oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> you continue. <laughs> As you were, it's actually fine. As you were. What's your new thing? Great, fantastic. Do it well. Do it well. Quite. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you, sort of, with your your, you know, you you have this unique uh, foot in both camps perspective, and I sort of wanted to to dig into a little bit of. Uh, well, there's a cl- a classic thing, isn't there? Of like uh, all the builders on site going, oh, bloody architects, uh, you know the drawings are missing this and um, and I can only imagine that the architects are going, Oh, bloody builders. And I'm sort of interested to know mm-hmm. um, what, you know, how can we improve both sides? Mm. Well, that's a heavy question. <laughs> um, I tell you why it's a heavy question, because for the large part, I'm trying to move on from that. Um, that is a question that, probably took off a lot of my mind space for many 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 years Mm. and led me to think that design and build and having to have a knowledge of both is the preferred way and it makes for better results and I'm I am committed to that vision which is why I cannot go back and be on one side of I cannot be just the designer or just the builder I cannot watch it happen it's frustrating I don't have the answer. Maybe that's why I've moved away from it as an industry. I'm not really involved in the construction, mainstream construction industry, because they are the issues. I think conservation seems different because it's a constant conversation because you don't know what you're going to discover. And the 
conservation architects have to be constantly involved with the conservationist. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned him yet, but basically I've been working alongside a fantastic man called Darren McLean. And he is a very knowledgeable person and has loads of experience. And so with someone like Darren, if he's working on a conservation project, he knows about a certain extent about the lead work and the roofing and, and some other aspects, but he knows a lot about the masonry and the um, the history and the, the carpentry and the types of mortars and the types of finishes. And so when he was working on a project, these are in constant discussion with the designer to want to do it. You know, he has to delve in, look at something, send a photo, get some feedback. And often I have found that the architects listen to the trades because the trades know, not more, but they know what they're talking about. And so in these instances, the architects are just taking that information and taking that feedback and directly putting it into words or putting it into a drawing or, or relaying it to a client or a funder, whatever. And it's less about an architect designing everything to the nth degree and passing over a set of drawings to someone that has to build it to the nth degree that they have come up with. And that is the inherent problem in the construction industry. Like it should be a conversation, but you know, I'm sure you know all about it as a contractor yourself. I know you know all about the different stages and reba stages of which these are all like legal requirements. Like, you know, you have to get to a certain stage and you have to provide a certain amount of information. So you can't even, it's not even like designers, it's their fault because the system is set up, you know, and, and, and legal contracts that are set up, there's just no room for this. And and I it's a it's just such a huge topic that needs to be addressed that it needs it needs experts it needs um, bodies as in like representative bodies and it needs government and councils and building standards and people like that to all have a conversation and I'm sure it's happening I'm sure I mean I'm out of the loop now I'm sure these things happen and I'm sure they're trying to change it you know it's not like any architect I've ever talked to thinks that this isn't the right thing to do Mm -hmm. so it's it must be going in some direction it's just that having been in it for 10 years I was just like well it's not moving fast enough I can't be dealing with this anymore I'm off (laughs) I just (laughs) I've tried my best (laughs) like um, and 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 it's it's so complicated, you know. There's just so much that, in, in I guess, dictates it. Uh, and a really interesting route that I went down as part of um, our community interest company building together was that in order to get hempcrete to be used as a material in Scotland, the local building authorities have like a representative body. I think it's called the LASS Local Authorities in Scotland something like that. And I, well, I had a conversation with them about it and they were really open to the fact that like, they what they do is they approve certificates of certain products. And when they approve a certificate of a certain product, let's just say Indie Nature, have have their pro- product, the new product, and Been they have Up and aloft with them, with, with, their, yeah, with their insulation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, little plug. Um, <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if, if they present their certificates and they get um I'm, i should get this correct the labss if they get the approval of the local authorities building center scotland's officers then they basically become an approved supplier or an approved product mm-hmm. and therefore any building control officer in scotland 
understands that that is an approved product so they can even if they've never heard of it before they can approve it because they can see all of the details all of the requirements the new values etc etc what i was at pains to explain is that when you're using natural building materials such as straw or like clay <laughs> um they aren't necessarily products that come with their own certification but they are completely reliable completely tested there's all of this information out there and they were really keen to work with us on that. And it's a shame it's not an avenue I had the time nor resources to continue with. But if anyone's listening and, and it's interested in it, please get in touch because it's a whole area where they, they're not closing any doors. They're very open to this idea that there must be a way to approve materials as opposed to products. It was a wonderfully engaging and wonderfully positive and optimistic experience. So there are ways that these things can change. It just takes time. It's an interesting thing that because I've thought about that a lot and, you know, clay, clay different all around the country. Um, but it takes uh, and maybe this is just me picking up my part, <laughs> but it takes the knowledgeable uh, person mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, know that this clay does this and this one it will react mm-hmm. differently. And so you'd sort of need to certify the person rather than the material yeah um, yeah and and that's why the entire thing is completely capitalistic because it's certifying a product and the product has to have enough money in the first place to certify it and when you go down that rabbit hole i think i think what happened was a client paid 1500 pounds or thereabouts to certify a product that wasn't theirs it was an external company's product in order that they could use it on their house. Oh, wow. We'll be back after a quick break. If you're looking for all things BMX racing, you've found the right podcast. Here at Lane 8 BMX Podcast, I'll speak to the local racer, the national racer, and even the Olympic level racer. I'm talking kids to the weekend warriors and much more. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, and remember to snap on green. That was the outcome of something I was involved in, which which was just that the the product supplier couldn't afford to pay fifteen hundred pound to have this, mm. um, and also had no other. They had no other um, contracts in Scotland, so why why would they? You know, commercially, I understand it's business decision, but the client really wanted to use this hempy product, so therefore they were just like, well, what do we have to do? And essentially, like they paid fifteen hundred pound. This this. This material got accepted as a product. It got approved. But then that expires a year later. And it's probably not a huge amount of money. It's probably like practical. I don't know. But it's probably like 50 quid or something every year to keep that product in the loop. But they wouldn't, that client had it in their house. The house they moved in. They're not going to pay every year to have hempcrete approved in Scotland, are they? So it it is such a strange part of it that has to be in some way attacked, which is just the capitalism, inherent capitalism <laughs> built into everything, um, which is a huge barrier to natural building materials being used commercially. Um, and I think that's why most people that come out of CAT are trying to create products and get funding that are, work within that system. Mm-hmm. Because you do come to a conclusion which is like, well, let's stop beating ourselves and try and like do it the way they want us to. And and so that's where 
thankfully, a lot of people have started companies that are producing natural building produ- products that can a adhere to all those rules, but b appear on shelves like a normal product that a normal trade can pick up and learn and go on a course to use. And so that makes that more accessible. It means it makes the transferable skills more accessible. Because if you were to tell a placerer that he has to go down to that field and dig up the soil, topsoil, then dig down and get the clay proportion of that soil and then come back and test it before he can use it on that house. And even then he's got to test the different samples and different colours. He's going to tell you to off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it, it needs to be something that's sold in a bag and you can just go pick up because the client's asked for that colour. I understand that. Like, it's... Oh, Jeff, we could talk about this for such a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> days and days and days. <laughs> it's, it's it's so many aspects to it, but um, there's no quick answer. There's no easy answer. But the good news is, is that people are trying. And and there's no walls up, as per se. There's no one being like, well, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's like, mm, that doesn't work if you can make it do this we could accept it and you're like okay fine we'll jump through your hoops but yeah yeah I, i'm sort of in that mindset a little bit at the moment uh so i was just saying before we started recording that i've been testing some earth floor samples and with an aim mm-hmm. to making a, a pre-bagged product you mm. know here are three different mm-hmm. colors of earth floor mix mm-hmm. them at home and uh just the Oh my goodness, the the steps involved and I mean I haven't even got to the like getting it certified bit. You know, I'm no. just I yeah. like the, the fear of like if you put something out there and then it goes wrong for whatever reason, like f- say they haven't prepared the subfloor properly and it cracks, but then they'd say, Well, your product has done this, it's cracked. And so then it's like, Oh, I've got to now go and sort that out and maybe it's my fault and it's sort of it's bringing up anxiety in me just just sort of chatting yeah. about it at this level. Understandably, because that 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 is that is all of the barriers. The anxiety is real. The anxiety is valid because these are all of the barriers. And the only way any other product has gotten to this stage is few huge amounts of funding and backing. And you know, yeah. I mean, it's. I. I mean, I think that sounds like an amazing idea. But you can't do it by yourself. Like you know, it's 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 got. To, it, it, I think I think the industry needs to start believing in itself and and backing each other. Like that needs to be backed by something that says no. Actually, you you didn't install it to the manufacturer's instructions. You know, and that's okay. We will teach you how. Come on our course first before you you willy nilly install that earth floor. Yeah. Like it it just once the ball starts rolling, it will get there. It's just but I but I understand that sounds like it would be an anxiety <laughs> attack. Yeah. Um. And 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 it's. And I, I, I think all of this sort of stuff, like monetizing and trying to think of these things in their capitalism and the business sense, it, it for me, it's this huge shift in mindset because I, I was almost raised to think that at this point in my life, like we would all be living in communes because this society that we live in wouldn't have kept going and we'd all be living in harmony. Uh, or 
in some absolute state of chaos before the harmony could, you know. I wasn't raised to think that in my mid-30s I'd have to succumb to all of the ways that capitalism exists (laughs) (laughs) and play the game. But unfortunately, it hasn't bloody changed. We are in our mid-30s. And so actually, yeah, I've taken a lot of time to understand recently how money and business and products and selling works because it, there is a bit of a, an acceptance I have now of if you're going to do something, you're going to have to tick all these boxes and be certified and do that sort of stuff. So how can we make that work? And, and that's no different an explanation of what I was trying to do earlier, which was um, try to understand how can you get volunteers to build things within the system? So I already put a lot of time and effort into trying to juggle liabilities, insurances, um, you know, um, rules <laughs> um, and all this sort of stuff to just understand how you, you can work within the system to make something work. So I'm sure you will be able to <laughs> figure that out. If you ever need a hand, you can give it a yeah. shot. <laughs> <laughs> Open um, to business partners. And, and, uh, yeah, I know. And also, and also that's the thing, like go to fellow cat students that are having to do this as well like that's what's nice about um coming into the industry with maybe better values and ethics than being monetarily driven if people's reason for being here is to create shelfable natural products and not because you want to be a billionaire then you'd be just as happy sharing your knowledge with the next person that's trying to shelf i don't know like uh, handmade bricks or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a place in the industry where everyone right now is just like trying to get their stuff, you know, in line with everything they need to do to get it on the market. But then it's a nice world, the social enterprise world, because everyone is extremely sharing, and it's I've been part of it as as building this kit company up. It's really sharing, caring environment, and that's a very nurturing place to be because. Um, it's not like old school keep it all to yourself because everyone's a competition it's like no competition is healthy and we're going to help you out because that helps us out so maybe capitalism can just change a little bit and be a bit more ethical (laughs) yeah I'm a very um, cynical optimist (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a very healthy uh, place to to occupy (laughs) yeah Yeah, I'm like fully optimistic I'll have all the enthusiasm but um, there's a little voice in my brain that's like yeah right but not of that, not of that. Like, yeah, right, the industry's a bit like this, you can't do anything to change it, but then this whole optimistic, like, no, maybe you can do something to change it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so... So I want to ask you, yeah. <laughs> um, what are you doing at the moment? Because you, you're doing something quite interesting. So at the moment, I have gone back to Building Craft Programme. Nice. Um, so the Building Craft Programme for a few years has kind of the has live build proportion of of the experience usually about three months where all the different trades and students come together and at Dumfries House Estate they will build something and for the last four or five years there's something that they have had to build has usually been provided in that it's already been thought of they already require it got the drawings and we're ready to go so you turn up and you crack on um there was a change in thought this last year with the um, built environment manager, construction manager, 
he wanted to see if there was a way that we could get the students to design the thing that they were going to build. So um, as this is my specific area (laughs) of combined interests, (laughs) and I do live 10 minutes up the road, um, (laughs) I was very keen to get involved. Um, And so um, I created or we created a a two-week design school with the students where I set a bunch of tasks and I tried to understand like their um, relationship to design. Like I tried to understand where each of the students, like what is your relationship to design? Like, are you comfortable with it? Have you done this before? Does it give you the fear? Do you hate doing it in front of clients? Like what do you, what, where are you at with it? And then we, and I produced a series of exercises in order to kind of pull a creative process out of people and, you know, to to get them turning out ideas really fast and dismissing ideas, but, you know, coming up with more ideas. And it was just a really good, fun two-weeks um, design school um, with the purpose and end result that they were split into different groups. And I didn't do this intentionally. It's just that we wanted to see which groups would come out. And there were, like, a set of groups that were more interested in the traditional design and a set of people that were more interested in organic design. And there was a kind of in-the-middle group um we had a bit of both so we split them up that way and we got them to develop these ideas that they've been producing that they've designed themselves and we ended up with three very good designs for i mean this year it's going to be a bird hide just somewhere on the site mm-hmm. um and yeah so we came up with three very good designs and i mean i was so impressed and so enjoyed it so much like they were really cracking and, and this is from the uh, really, um, really the so the actual uh apprentices that are going to build it that did the design yeah the students that are there um they've been on placements so this was before they would go on placements with this two-week design uh, school um they did, they all produced a design so there was three designs to choose from so then they went away in their placements which they could then like learn more skills from and feel a bit more confident and now they've come back and so i amalgamated the three designs into one Ooh. uh really nice aspects of each of these you know like there'd be like that key thing where like oh we have to keep that we have to keep that um and then on Monday, we are going to start a sort of research and development week where we prototype a couple of ideas um, and then we will get stuck into the build of this bird hide. And I've tried really hard to contain it to there are structural elements need to go ahead, but there's so much room for design. So there's so much room for them to put their stamp on it to come up with ideas to be heard should we do it this way should we do it that way and hopefully there's enough baggy space around the timetable that we can incorporate all of this um and they can learn from each other's trades and there's a lot of crossover specifically in like the research and development week the r&d week because there are connections that need to be made that need to be thought about between the stonework and the metalwork and the metalwork and the roofer you know and and I'm really chuffed. I'm actually really proud. I'm really chuffed with it. And I really know it's going to go really well because it's all about the experience. It's all about them enjoying it. And it's like the outcome is the product, you know, at the end. But that's it's a byproduct. The whole thing is like being able to explore and try out your trade. And, and so it's kind of full circle come back around to what it really should be about. And it's that's really nice to see. And so far it's going really well. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but obviously like... Um, it's going really really well and we're gonna lots of us are on social media we're documenting it and things um but it's very nice to be back and it's very nice and my whole 
thing about teaching and not even teaching, I'm just facilitating is I'm just really passionate about people having ownership. It's not my, I, I, yeah, I pulled together free designs, but it's not my design, it's their design. And so, and I'm not there telling them how to do anything. They're there and they're going to tell me how they're going to do it. And I will only pick a hole in it if I think it's going to fall down. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's just so nice to just like, give people the opportunity to prove themselves and I'm really hoping they come out of this and feel really proud of it and they feel really like a sense of achievement and um, it's something that they can show off like it's something that shows their skills and their talents Um, however it is a bird hide and it's pretty heavy timber so trying to get enough metal work and clay plastering and stonework was a challenge but I think we've got it in the end I think there's some really key pieces that aren't add-ons because I think in the past one trade has gone forward like say it's a timber frame building or it's a stone building and all the other trades feel like they're just adding you know little Mm add-ons that are tacked on and it's not it's not totally involved or required for the design but I think we've got to design where this is all needed everyone's needed their bit is needed Um, so that's where we're at Um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it I think it's going to be quite successful um, we had the brilliant M. Appleton come and do um, some pre-site um, oh, culture. I of saw working your videos that, you know. yesterday, and I was just mm-hmm. so so jealous. It's like I want to be in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I love anything they come and do because it's just uh, so engaging and fun, um, and it definitely puts everyone in that mindset of like this is your site, this is our working culture, this is how we're going to treat each other, this is how we're going to, what we're going to get out of this. Um, and and, it, and essentially, and I wasn't there for the morning portion, so I didn't want any influence over this, but essentially what they want out of it more than anything is the experience. Um, and, and that's what everyone gets out of every project they ever get involved in. But this way they have some ownership over the experience, mm. um, which is, is, is important. So... Um, yes, it's it's really nice because it's like a combination of all three things. It's my design, it's my teaching, and it's my building. Oh. No, so, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm secretly. Uh, I mean, I'm not. Sec- it's not a secret if I say it out loud. Um, I am hoping that one day <laughs> one of the students says, "And this should have an earth floor," and I will finally get my chance oh. to come back and be the former Honestly, student. That was, that was, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I might we be a bit too much of a liability, get, though. No, 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 no. We will get you in there. We won't mention the accents, but we will get you in there. <laughs> um, but no, no, there was nearly, there was nearly um, an earthen floor this year, but it's just the practicality of it because it's a bird hide and it's mm. in, we're building in January, February. Yeah, it's so probably not where I'd put an earth hopefully, floor. But. No, no, but hopefully if this method and this way of c- completing the, the live build portion of the building craft programme, if this is successful, we would like, I think, I hope I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to try and do it every year. And if we try and do it every year, then I, I, I imagine we'll get a little bit more, like, uh, com- not competitive, but like we'll try and, like, reach a bit further every year and get something a bit more so yeah oh I, I I would like to get everyone back in like there's people in my year there's people in the year before me there's people I know for it there's so many people that I like would like to be involved in it so any opportunity I, I think it's that I think that's also coming out of it that they 
they have said to me that it's quite important. They're very, they, they're, excuse me, you'll have to edit this, but uh, they're very happy to have someone a bit more local be involved and also more recent of a student. Mm-hmm. And I can tell there's a bit more of a drive and a push to get ex-students involved. Um, because why not? Because you come out of it as a little bit of an expert in your field. So there's many experts floating about out there that would love to come back and mm-hmm. join in. So Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a program I totally believe in. Sorry, it sounds like I'm now trying to justify me <laughs> why you should have another thought or why I should do it. But, I mean, I justified it to Michael. I was like, this is why I should be involved. <laughs> it's, it's just something that, like, I think over the years, like, and and I I I probably should admit this on a podcast that everyone can listen to, but I mean, as an architect back in the day. One of our clients was a local developer that's worked on the estate, and like I'm, I was very well aware of um, the now king's attitude to architecture and small developments. And back in the day, I was a bit cynical about it because it didn't align with what I felt, architecturally speaking. Mm-hmm. Where, but I did appreciate like that they was giving it publicity and it was giving it like a talking point and things like that but from a traditional building skills point of view i have nothing but fantastic things to say about this like i just i mean his involvement and and his enthusiasm has allowed so many people to pursue this as a career and it has increased the amount of traditional building skills by like so many um and even living i live in the area around this estate and it employs so many local people. Like I have nothing but wonderful things to say about the Princess Foundation and what they're trying to achieve. And and it's really given me this like whole new perspective on traditional building skills and keeping them alive, you know, no matter what it is. Like someone got an award for being the only remaining proper scissor making company oh. in the UK. And I didn't even know that that was like a skill that could be done traditionally that was dying you know (laughs) like the red list of endangered you know that's the red list of endangered traditional building skills i certainly do yes um yeah yeah bicycle making's on there which i thought or it was i don't know if it still is yeah i pitched uh i pitched to the heritage craft association is that what they're called um that I, I was going for funding to make a load of podcasts about heritage, endangered crafts. And they, they just sort of said, nice. I don't think that's really sustainability based. <laughs> I think was their reply. I was like, but it is. Oh. Oh, it absolutely is. But I couldn't explain but it. But it is. Like it's like 300 words. Uh, I had to pitch the so, idea. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Because I think you can get quest funding as well for stuff mm. like that. There's a lot. That's what's nice about it though, because, someone's put an effort into creating a foundation that is specifically looking at it, then other funding opportunity streams open up because people are more like interested in keeping this all alive. Mm. So it is quite nice. And it's, I, although I'm part of the building craft program, I really enjoy looking in on the arts program because they do such interesting things. Um, you know, you've definitely had people on your podcast before that i've done that like flow Mm -hmm. you know and and just like basket weaving and chair making and you know 
oh, just so many interesting things, yeah. you know. I find it very hard not to apply for that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I asked, I asked Michael, am I allowed to apply for that? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> right, I assumed they might not like me because I'd already done. Even Michael wants to apply for it. He created the course. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that says all you need, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It does, actually. It's a very good adver- advertisement for it. The guy that created it desperately wants to quit his job and do the course. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's a good selling point. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I've, yeah, I've come in a lovely circle and I don't know what the future holds, but I'm quite excited about it because I know now that I will include all of these aspects, like design and, and building and teaching mm-hmm. in most things that I do. Um, and I would just quite like to continue learning. I mean, it's why I started the podcast was a sudden realization. Is it? Yeah, that I had stopped learning and I was just doing my thing. And suddenly I was like, but there's so Mm. much going on that I want to learn about. Uh, Mm. so yeah, the, the sort of, there was many reasons for starting podcasts, but the selfish element was definitely like, I want to consume all this knowledge. I want to meet interesting people and learn what yeah. they're doing and why yeah well i, I i've i've found uh, again it, it all comes from this place of like trying to make a living like we, you know we all have to live and i've found a lot of conversations in the last little while about that transition from being a sole trader and and, and having things need to make you a living and and then actually you know, finding a day job or finding the thing that makes you money in order that you can actually spend your time passionately, enthusiastically going. Like you wouldn't have started the podcast with any support, you know, so you're just doing something because you want to learn. And it's 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 giving yourself that freedom to, because I was always been a bit like, I don't want a new job, you know, like, you know, it's like, but you need some way of supporting yourself in order to make these moments available to you and not stress yourself out too much because I was so trader for such a long time. I think I've been a soldier for 10 years and a huge roller coaster and ups and downs is just basically like needing to pursue things in order to be paid takes away the love and enjoyment out of the thing that you want to do. So sometimes the wisest move is to do something you don't necessarily want to do, but it's within your realms of skills and knowledge and you enjoy it in order that you can actually more passionately go after the things that give you a huge amount of joy and not have that added pressure that they have to support you. Does that make sense? Very and then you just so. hope that one day they will. <laughs> so Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, incredibly good advice. Mm. I'm a bit on that track right now of like making sure everyone knows it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We've all been through this before. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean. You know how you feel. <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you. Well, I've, unless unless there's more to say on that, move on to work where work where for women. That's mm-hmm. difficult to say, isn't it? <laughs> I never thought about that, but yeah, I guess it's a, little, it's a lot of W's. <laughs> Sometimes I type uh, in like women's workwear and then I'm like, where is it? And I'm like, oh yeah, because it's not that. What is it? And I'm like, oh, you workwear for women. <laughs> 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 Get it wrong. 
um so so tell me about uh workwear for women uh why like why have you why have you started this well i'm going to caveat with saying that i was anxious about talking about it because it's one of those like tangents i go down and then i might lose enthusiasm for it in like a week's time and stop doing it so this is why i was anxious about it but i actually don't think that's gonna happen because i have been interested in this obviously my whole working career there's i think this is a this is a totally different topic really it's kind of it's it's to do with like what you live in so you do your job all day every day so you essentially live in a certain set of clothing and at some point during your life you maybe stop caring so much about what's in fashion and what you look like because it's more about what I do I actually wear every day and I guess when I started on building sites it was just about getting jeans that wouldn't tear so easily um, and a hoodie that would keep you warm and a waterproof that was actually a decent waterproof because I probably didn't own one even though I grew up in Scotland. You know, it was it was almost like embarrassing to like catch up on items of clothing you'd never really thought about before. Like waterproof trousers. I associated waterproof trousers with my mum and dad dragging me up a hill in the rain. Like I don't want to wear them. And and you sweat more on the inside than the outside and what's the point? So yeah, having to buy clothing that was actually practical and actually kept you warm and kept you dry was a bit of a, an experience that you I was learning over time. And I guess it started to shift when I realised that I was doing it more often. And I was actually coming across, that sounds a bit daft, but I was coming up against guys, carpenters, woodworkers, timber framers. And to be honest, they looked kind of cool. Like they had like their plaid, you know, they had their plaid shirts, you know, and, and they had rough durable jeans or trousers and decent boots and and so then it was like oh, wait where are you getting this stuff like I want one of them jackets so it's good right okay now I need something that's not gonna like what you mean you can fit stuff in your pockets right okay right so so then I for a little while um bought like tradey workwear you know like bought the durable workwear with the big pockets um and bought like you know, uh, a fleece jacket that would work with pockets and, and and things like that. But but then the trousers didn't fit around the waist, you know, when I had to wear a belt. And I, I often got, and I'm just now talking to your entirely female audience, I guess, but, like, I often got, like, belt burn, you know, it's just kind of like because your belt's sticking into you but because the trousers are too big and you actually need it to hold your trousers mm-hmm. up. And I, I, I don't know, this happened, this happened for many years. I never really questioned it, to be honest. I just... She went along with it. It's just like, this is just what the options are. Like, I've got my big rigger boots that are men's rigger boots. They're too big for my feet, but they keep me dry. I've got my big jeans, but my belt keeps them on. Like, I've got, you know, and I would just maybe wear a tank top or something. And, and yeah, and then I guess, like, oh, I don't know when it shifted. I, I, I think the first item of clothing I bought that I am still in love with to this day and gutted because they discontinued it, is a pair of jeans from Engelbert Strauss, um, which were jeans, seven pockets, like a, like a belt loop for your hammer, um, specifically aimed at working women. Um, the Europeans seemed to have figured this out more than we had. Um, and they were also quilt lined. 
So they're like, Whoa. and they fit, they fit. <laughs> I know, they're quilt lined. They were jeans that were stretchy. They, they weren't baggy jeans. They were slim fit jeans, waist where they should have been. They just, they were just made for a woman. And I was just in love with my jeans. <laughs> I would wear them all day, every day. Probably got them far too many moons ago now. And they have been patched. They have been repaired. They have holes in all the places you shouldn't have holes in. Um, but are inevitable as <laughs> you're moving around and I've really worn them to death and I wanted more and they discontinued and I got in touch with the company and they said they didn't do them anymore and their unquilted version of those jeans are nothing like those jeans they're nothing I don't know whether they just outsourced or just took the design elsewhere but they are not the same it's itchy scratchy denim and they don't fit the same they're not stretchy it's just not the same so I was really downhearted by that and I guess it, the, the shift started when I got really interested in like my my Instagram account for building and for women building. I, I started it prior to the Building Craft Programme. I realised I needed to separate my design world and my professional world from this new realm of like going down a rabbit hole of building. And I also wanted somewhere, a portfolio of work to show and prove to people I am a builder. I've done all this in the past. So when I created that, I started following accounts of younger girls and predominantly in Australia, New Zealand and North America, uh, like America and Canada. And they seem to have really well-fitting clothing. So I just, I started, you know, going down this rabbit hole of like, where are they getting their clothing? What's happening? Why do their clothing fit? My clothing doesn't fit. Can I get that clothing here? Like what's going on? And there are quite a large number of pretty well-known workwear companies we'd know them in the UK but in Australia and New Zealand where their entire construction industry is different from ours like they're very encouraged to do apprenticeships from a very early age their um, uptake in women in construction is much higher than here they don't have um, the same inequality and it and it and it has been I guess pushed forward they also because of that have a much younger generation of and plenty more women in their industry who have been working on for longer and have worked with these companies and have been producing very comfortable, good workwear gear. Um, and that's where it started. Um, it started there. I got really interested in it. I'm a geek anyway, so I started, <laughs> started like, you know, which treasures do I want next, you know? And it really was to, like, it, it comes from a place of selfishness. Like, it's because I want to find out and have the best trousers for me. Um and I did discover some brilliant workwear brands that I am now obsessed with their trousers, you know. But what was really nice was, especially when I worked at Outlander, particularly because there weren't many females in the carpentry department, but there were females in the plastering and the painters department. A few people came up to me and were like, Chris, I really like your trousers. Where did you get them? And I'd be like, oh, they're Eve workwear, you know, check them out. Um, and they're comfortable. They've got like elasticated cuffs and pockets and zips and and they, they cinch at the back, so they come in at the waist. It just they are made for women. And this is where it started. And then I got onto boots because I needed a new pair of boots. And that's where the stream of thought comes from, is usually just like, I would like this, where will I get it? Um, and the more I looked into it, the more I found. And then I realised, well, no one else is looking into it, and it's not easy to find. So I was like, I want it to be easy for everyone to find. I want it in one place. And it, I am coming from a UK's perspective. I think if you live in Europe, there are plenty of companies that provide this sort of stuff. 
they're much better at dealing with wet and cold weather, even though the UK have had this weather our whole life. Shipping is by now. I know, I know. We just don't produce anything, not any ilk anymore. But um, and and the Australian and New Zealand side of things, it was far more geared to summer weather. I I felt like they do get harsh weather in the winter, but it just doesn't seem to be as consistent as like all year round 10 degrees and raining in Scotland. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly coming from the point of view is like I want to push awareness of women in trades and construction in, in, in the UK because I don't know where they all are hiding. I haven't found them all yet and I want to find them all. And, um, and I know there's just more. I just know that it's, it's, it, it's on the up, you know. And, and I am coming from the perspective of like, I want everything to be quilt lined. Like there are four <laughs> weeks in the summer where, like, I have to wear a lighter jean. But other than that, I need everything to be quilt lined. Like I am cold and I am working, but I am also just cold. And I don't know whether that's a woman and man thing. Like we, and my hands are always cold. We're always the ones they'll put the heat on. They don't put the heat on. You know, there is a you know a stereotype here, but it's stereotype for a reason. It's based on. <laughs> I, so maybe women need warmer clothing in order to feel relaxed and comfortable enough so that we can physically achieve what we need to do. Um, and and yeah, it's been really good fun. It's been really good fun. I started the Instagram page because I was like, I think this is the best avenue for this. I feel like it's a visual tool. I feel like there's a lot of women trades now on there sharing what they do in order, and therefore they will be able to see this stuff. Um the beauty of it is there are plenty of workwear companies for women who are sharing their products and the products are tagged. Like you can then, I, I can make a post and specifically link the product to their website. And I think that's wonderful because it's not like you're going, oh, Christy's just shared the shoes. Oh, great. Oh, when, where can I get them? And then you have to go find the website and go for it. I'll just tell you the shoe. Like you can have the shoe. Like, right there. And, and that's just, that's, this is great. I just like and, and and we do live in a culture which is a bit by now, and I'm a bit like that. Like if I had seen the turquoise shoes that I am now shared that I, from P and F workwear, if I'd seen them three months ago before I bought my Ambers, I'd have bought them. I'd have just been like turquoise shoes coming up, like <laughs> you know. And uh, and, and it, there is this whole thing about like especially with outdoor wear, there is a whole anti turquoise and anti pink, mm. you know, female options. There what there was that for a long time. And I'm quite glad to see that we've got plenty of options now. Like there are the traditional kind of like Carhartt colour scheme, you know, woodworking workshop based. And then there are the I need to be outside, I'm high vis, like let's wear the loudest shirt available. Um, and, and it's great. And there's some absolutely wonderful companies out there. And every day I find out about another one, you know, or not every day, but you know, there's certainly a lot emerging and it's not even women workwear companies. You know, it is other workwear companies that have a fantastic women's wear range um, or unisex stuff, like, you know, safety glasses and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just want it all to be in one place. I just want it, I just want one place where if you type in, you're in the UK and you're like, I need women's workwear, I need women's workwear. Uh, it will take you to one place. Ideally in long term, maybe there would be a website. Maybe we would be able to kind of drop shit, sell that, sell these companies' products through one website um, so that you're just browsing all of the products rather than having to filter and around and jump around between different companies. And I've been thinking about this a lot, but like 
you have to blue sky think sometimes. And I love the fact that you named this Building Castles in the Sky <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> because I only just came across this term recently and I was like, why have I never <laughs> I live in air? Because <laughs> it's, it's um there's a phrase building castles in the air, which means like a totally like, you know, you you always come up with ideas but you never achieve anything. And but I I grew up in Air A Y R and my name is Castles spelled differently. Like I was like, why has no one told me about building castles in the air? And this is my perfect phrase. And a lot of my family were like, um, no, that would insinuate that you don't do anything and you don't achieve or build anything. I was like, yeah, but that's the irony of it. Like, <laughs> I was pretty sure when I wrote that, I thought. She is going to roll her eyes. She's had a lifetime of playing no, with that name. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, no, really, not at all. In fact, um, still to this day, if you were to play that song in a club and my brother and I were there, we'd be like, this is our song. This is our song. <laughs> like, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I just like, I blue sky think about things. And so, again, you, I've, I've always been hesitant to say things out loud because I generally have so many ideas and not a lot of them come to fruition but I am learning that actually I manifest a lot of things by putting the idea out there and 10 years later it comes right yeah you know 10 years later it comes right so my blue sky thinking for this is that it would be a physical store somewhere ideally Glasgow because it's Scotland, but you know we have to come south of the border for a bigger city. We will. But, you know, we have to have like a physical store that has all this women's workwear, but also that physical store would then like maybe host, you know, evenings where you could have like a round the table discussion or like you could have people do some some talks or presentations. And I even went as far as thinking like, well, what if you only hired women that were like, say, on maternity leave? from the construction industry or they've done their back in and they need some time, you know, maybe they shouldn't be stuck in the shelves, but like just some way of like also making that about women in trades and construction and supporting them um, by feeding that all back in. So yes, I've, it's gone growing arms and legs, obviously in my brain, but at the moment it's just a nice place to like go search a bunch of trousers, share the bunch of trousers, mm-hmm. like go share, like, did you know you can get, these shoes from here and this boots from there and you know and yeah that's that's what it's about and it's have just them that fit i and passionately care and yes yes exactly all the things that just you just suitable. expect from clothing yes yeah, suitable and hard wearing and have fucking pockets and <laughs> waterproof <laughs> and warm and dry and fit and look nice look cool i feel like i've got to a stage where i'm like feel slightly professional going onto any work site solely because what I'm wearing fits me mm-hmm. and doesn't make me look like an over, an over or undersized man child like it, <laughs> it it all fits and that's really nice you feel comfortable you feel yourself you feel more confident so it, it's all very important I and mean, it's funny isn't it this is sort of related I think um that, that they only just released uh, a, a female crash test dummy um because they just <gasps> they, yeah. they just thought well you know they're just like slightly smaller men uh and i think that that i mean it's it's proof that this sort of patriarchal uh yeah it exists and it's it's it needs breaking it's kind of mind-blowing really isn't it like it's actually quite mind-blowing there are quite a lot of female related areas or subjects or topics that i go to discuss with people and i'm bamboozled by how much they don't know Mm. 
Um, and also, like, you know, and also because because it was only maybe a recent revelation for myself, and I should have known that, you know. It's, 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 not, it's not even any, like, blame on other people, not myself. Like, some things I learn, and I'm like, huh, how come I'm just finding that out now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm kind of ill-prepared for the world here, feeling a little bit set back in the world, but we've managed to achieve a lot, I think, <laughs> like, considering... <laughs> yeah um yes yeah women construction it's good yeah more of us i wondered if there's any sort of key bits of advice like anyone that's thinking like Mm -hmm. well i know where to get the trousers now where shall i (laughs) (laughs) learn this yeah oh just do it just do it i mean just do it i i think i think it's always going to be a scary like concept to enter a world that you don't see yourself represented in or you don't know if you'd be fully supported or any area that there you're in the minority is going to feel a bit awkward and odd and you're going to have to navigate it mm-hmm. but um just reach out and try and find people that you can latch up not latch on to <laughs> just find people that you can ask because it, it, it goes back to that thing about the social enterprise like you know world being quite open and 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 sharing and the same as the natural building industry and the traditional building skills i think i think people are under this false impression that if you ask something you're being a pest and actually i think most people want to help most people want to share most people want you to strive and you to make to get the best out of things just as much as as they do mm-hmm. um so just find another female that you know or find a find a male that will be like yes fine i'll look after you come on you know like it it's yeah there's no men versus women in the workplace unless it becomes an issue so don't let it be an issue just approach it like you would there's 20 other women there mm-hmm. you know um I mean, my my most recent experience was probably the biggest and most striking contrast. And I found it rather amusing because some some men in our company would um, change their behaviour. So there would be you know, a bunch of swearing from beneath me. And then I'd hear that, wait, 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 guys, 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 there's a, there's a lassie up there. Come on now, come on now. Let's, you know, just, you know, get the language curtailed, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I would, they knew, like, they knew I was listening. That's, you know, we were saying it. But I would sort of smile a little bit. And I think previous me would have been like, oh, no, I don't, I don't fucking care, you know, like, and I and I don't, I, I don't care. Like, swear, don't swear. Use vocal language, don't use, it doesn't matter to me. I also have a really really terrible low level of humor so it, it kind of suits me to be honest i i have a terrible that's what she said <laughs> viewer, but um uh, arguably worse than most of them but they don't need but what i what i decided this time around was they don't need to know that i don't i don't have to if they feel if my presence makes them feel uncomfortable and makes them feel like they should change their behavior then that's on them if they feel that their behavior is not proper around someone else then and they feel inclined to change it that's on them i'm not asking them to change it i'm not insisting they change it and i'm also not trying to protest too much that they don't change it you know i'm just going to be and if by just being you change your behavior there's no reflection on me that's that's you like you obviously feel the need 
to fertility behavior. Uh, and then they would figure out very quickly that I didn't care and they'd go back to normal. So we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and equally, if, if, I, if it turned out I did appreciate that, they probably would have kept it up. So it's about the individual. It's not about, oh, there's a female and say, we all have to stop being funny. Like, no, it's about individuals. I'm sure if there was a guy who had turned up and was like, guys, 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 can you just not? Like, that's too much. They'd have made fun of him for a while, but they probably would have curtailed their behavior because they're not assholes. They're just being themselves and you got to be aware of who's around you. So, yeah, I have a probably more unique view on this issue than most because I have personality traits that uh, I would say are welcomed <laughs> in a typically laddish environment. But I am against like the toxic masculinity that comes with that mm. banterful environment. And I'm not even necessarily just against it for women. I am actually quite vehemently against it for men. I think it's a very unhealthy mm-hmm. place for men. And so sometimes I don't mind being the only woman because I think it gives the other men a break. So Totally. Yeah. There's there's a lot of place for us women. So if you're feeling like you've got the trousers, you've got the you've got the boots and worried about it, don't you worry, you'll find your place. Like there's a lot of need for us and um, we need a balance. Even the men know we need a balance, so don't let them tell you otherwise. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thank you so much to Kirsty for taking the time. We had a lovely, lovely natter. As per usual, there is a whole host of links in the show notes to the things we've discussed. Make sure you check out Workwear for Women. And if this was your first episode, make sure to head back and check out all the other episodes, nearly 100 now, covering a wide range of sustainability topics. That is it from me. I hope you're well. Until next time. See ya. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.